Acts 14. And I just want to tell you guys in advance that um, the furthest I went in school with science was ninth grade science. And as we go along, you'll understand why, why I said that. Because we might, might look at some scientific stuff, and if it doesn't come out right, you guys are pre-warned or forewarned. But anyway, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the worship tonight. And Lord, um, thank you, Lord, that our worship centers around you, what you accomplished at Calvary, what you... Um, the price that you paid. Um, you know, Richard made an interesting comment this morning, Pastor Richard, about um, is salvation free and, you know, just gets us thinking. But you know, we know, Lord, you paid the price. He paid the price for us and you endured the cross for us. And, um, you know, we see that reality lived out in uh, the life of the disciples here in the book of Acts. They were just totally committed to that, totally committed to the gospel totally committed to the Great Commission, just wanting to live out their lives for you, um, Lord, to the best that they could until you either uh, raptured them or called them home. And, you know, Lord, you're, they're all with you now. And what an example, what, a, what an example they've, they've set for us. So help us, Lord, as we look at chapter 14, as we look at Paul and Barnabas and the disciples, that we would be stretched and challenged by their faith and their commitment to the gospel. Uh, we thank you for these things and for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to pick up in verse 5, because Sunday morning we, we made it to actually verse 7, but I'm going to just read verses 5 and 6 and 7 to kind of give us an idea of where we're at. This is, um, <clears throat> Paul is, and Barnabas are coming to the end of their first missionary journey, called out, separated uh, by the Holy Spirit, and it's uh, been an interesting missionary trip so far. So in verse uh, 5 of chapter 14 of Acts, it says, <clears throat> when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. Um, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. And if you remember on Sunday morning, we were talking about the disciples' response to the persecution, the opposition that was happening, their response to the opposition, and, you know, their... Um, their lives are threatened. They leave and head out to Lystra. But, you know, verse 7, it's just, it's just really just a, a cool verse. And they were preaching the gospel there. So they just went there to preach the gospel. And I'm sure if they came across anybody on the way, they shared the gospel with them too. You know, that was, um, that was their life. That was the foundation of who they were. Their identity uh, was in Christ. And everything that they did, the way they lived out their lives, was all a picture of that. Just all a, you know, a snapshot of their dedication and commitment to the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I pray you guys that that's, that's a snapshot of your life. You know, just your commitment to Christ. Your willingness to want to serve Christ, regardless of what um, is going on. 
So the outcome of the opposition is that they continue to preach the word. And we're going to see in Lystra that there's going to be a healing. And we're going to see that God confirms or validates his word uh, by healing this crippled man. And as we look at that, I just want to let you note that there were two other guys who were crippled that were healed. In Acts chapter 3, the lame man in front of the temple, right? He had uh, been crippled from birth, never walked. Acts chapter 9, this gentleman was bedridden for eight years and paralyzed. He was healed by Peter. And then we're going to see um, this, uh, this crippled man here in um, verses 8, 9, and 10 is going to be healed. So let's read those three verses. And it said, In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Wow. So Lystra, just to give you a little idea, it's a, it's a city in Lyconia, and it's a predominantly um, Gentile. Um, it's... Um, I've been wanting to. I've been wanting letting you guys know the distances because I just want to keep driving home the point that these guys walked wherever they went. So Lystra was about 18 miles from Iconium, and Derby was another 40 miles from Lystra. So they're gonna. That's gonna be their next stop in Derby after um, Paul gets stoned here in this chapter, in the middle of this chapter. Um, there's no synagogue here or even a mention of it in Lystra, and that's important because we see why Paul is, um, you know, speaking to, it would seem like a crowd of people there. Ordinarily, right, he would go into the synagogue and teach. He would share in the synagogue, and then, of course, they would build from that foundation out into the city or whatever. Here, it says in verse 9 that he's out there speaking, uh, and um, this guy overheard him. And that word, that word speaking in verse 9, uh, the, the really thought of it is um, speaking as a means of ordinary conversation. So here is Paul having this conversation with these, these folks in Lystra. And this, um, this, this man who's crippled from birth is overhearing the conversation and I'm sure Paul wasn't talking about how bad the dolphins lost today. Uh, he was, you know, talking about, you know, sharing the gospel. He's sharing the gospel. This guy's listening. And what does it say? It says that the man heard Paul speaking, and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had the faith to be healed. Boy, that's, um, you know, that's an awful lot of theology in that one verse. I mean, Paul has the discernment to see this guy and to see that, you know, that he has faith to be healed. This guy is listening to the word, right? And, faith, and, and, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this guy is believing the word of God. And, you know, there is this um, unspoken thing happening. Paul is noticing something. This guy is noticing, you know, he's hearing the word. His faith is being built. Paul is noticing he's got faith. And all of this, all of this is happening uh, via the Holy Spirit, right? 
And it's just amazing to see that. So <laughs> this, is what I, this is something that's going to have to do with my science, okay? And this is one of the points that, that I wanted to stop on, and I know we just got into this, but um, it's just amazing to see Paul's sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. In this man's sensitivity, hearing the word of God and responding, and then all of that coming together. You know, and, and that's the Lord. You know, none of this was rehearsed. None of the, I mean, this just happened. Okay, it just happened. You know, this is just a day in the life of the disciples of Christ and people that they interact with. And, you know, this right here could happen to you tomorrow morning, can happen to you tomorrow afternoon on the way home. You know, I really believe in my heart that Paul expected this stuff. He just, you know, he was just trusting the Lord. He knew that God had called him, and he was expecting things to happen. And, you know, these guys are hearing the word, and, you know, they're, you know, they're just, the Holy Spirit is just moving in a way and just bringing that realization in their hearts, confirming the word to their hearts that it's true. And, this is, this is where I'm going to, kind of, I might lose some of you guys with my intellect here, with my science. But I was thinking of these little, um, like these little neurons and stuff in your head. And, you know, I, I know that our whole body is like electric, right? I mean, there, there's electric pulses all over your body, right? Your heart, they can um, jumpstart your heart. They can set the rhythm of your heart. I, I mean, it's amazing to, to see what can happen. But think about this. That, you know, God knows our thoughts, right? Psalm 139, 2. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought far off. God knows our thoughts. But do we know his thoughts? Do we know his thoughts? He knows our thoughts. But here's, here's um, part of the point I'm trying to make. God designed us in such a way that um, you know, that we're like Holy Spirit receptors, right? So, um, you know, God has, has given us a clear avenue to, um, to understand him and to know his thoughts, even when he's thinking them, like with Paul here. You know, Paul looks at this guy, and Paul is seeing, you know, the, you know, it's just a word of knowledge, right? It could have been a word of discernment that the Holy Spirit had given him through the gifts, Right? I mean, Paul hasn't written Corinthians yet, but, you know, he's, he's living it. And so here, you know, there, this is all happening in the spiritual realm, you know, and it's just all, it's life. It's, it should be Christian life. And here's the funny thing. I, I heard this the other day, and I looked it up. All right, so we all know what a, a platypus is, right? They're funny-looking ducks, right? And they have these little ridges on their nose, well, I found out, I didn't find this out in science class either, I had to do this on my own, that those little things on their beak are receptors, okay? Now, I didn't know this, but when they dive for food, they swim with their eyes closed. Well, these little receptors can pick up the neurological activity or whatever of a crayfish or a worm that is buried under the mud. And this 
platypus can go right to that, with its eyes closed, hello, and boom, right, right wherever that crayfish is or that room, and bam, he's got it. I mean, now, if you could... Um, if you could figure out how to do that, you'd be a pretty wealthy person because technology today, they can't, they know it happens, but they can't figure out how it happens. But now take that analogy and the way God created us. God created us in such a way that we could receive from him. Just like this, just like this is happening um, with Paul and Barnabas and the disciples. And you know, the problem with our little sensors and our making the connection is distractions. You know, think about, here's, this isn't my day. Thank God it used to be my day. But here's like maybe an average day for, for us when we were maybe out in the workforce or even now. You wake up in the morning, you have coffee, maybe check out the weather or the news, maybe eat a little breakfast, Check your emails, maybe check it for a text or two, get in the car, put the radio on, hopefully you're listening to maybe some worship music or something, but who knows, um, you maybe talk radio, who knows, a teaching, music, you get to work, you're on your computer, check your emails for work, see if you got a text from work. Now you're working, so you're like just totally you know, engulfed in what you're doing. You get in the car, on the way home, it's the same thing, but now you're on your way home, you got the radio on, you get home, you eat, you know, maybe you watch a TV, a show or something, and you go to bed. And, you know, think about it. Where, um, where is the time that you spend with the Lord? And I know I'm not saying you guys don't and that your schedule's too busy, but you can see how easy it could be to get caught up in the day-to-day -day living and miss out on this day-to-day -day living. And God's already made us and created us to be able to, to do this. So we need to get to the place where we make a decision to choose this and do something about our schedule. It would, yeah, please, I understand that we do have work, we have some distractions, we have things we have to do. But there's a lot of things that we don't have to do that maybe could get sorted out. But, you know, God has, God has created us in such a way that, you know, we can hear, um, we can hear those, those little still small voices like that, you know, that, that guy just wants you to talk to him. Or, hey, this girl needs prayer. You know, that stuff happens. That stuff happens. And, you know, think about these guys. You know, they walked. I mean, they just walked 40 miles to get here. What do you think? You know, Paul didn't have a cell phone in his pocket. You know, he couldn't receive any text. What do you think that they talked about? What do you think that their walk was like? You know, Barnabas, man, we almost got stoned again. Yeah, you know what? But, you know, we just got to pray for those guys. We got to love, you know, we love these people. You know, just their heart. You know, their distractions were limited. They were limited. When I was a kid, and, you know, some of you are my age and maybe a tad older, some younger, but, you know, we had one phone in the house, one TV in the house, a black and white TV for a while, right? I mean, the distractions were minimal, 
right, back then. You know, and it's just, it's just amazing to see the, the busyness of our lives. And I just hope you, you give that some serious thought. You know, you, you can make a choice, and you can free up time and, and spend it differently, or, um, you know, you can keep doing the same old, same old. And I'm not saying it's bad, but for me, and uh, uh, I will just be honest with you guys, you know, I just um, made some major changes around November 3rd. And I'll tell you what, I think I told you a couple, about a month ago, I feel like I got saved all over again. You know, I've been reading books. You know, I've been in the Word more probably than, well, you know, when you first get saved, you just can't get out of the Word, right? But, you know, it's just, I'm telling you, it just made, I've been making more time for my relationship with the Lord. And I think I talked about it Sunday, just cultivating an intimacy with the Lord and our relationship with Him. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that, you know, that, what, what we're seeing here with Paul and Barnabas is what God intends for us. You know, the, could, is, is the gift of healing still for today? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gifts are for today, right? I mean, all this stuff is available. How, how, are, how are those little neurological, spiritual centers working? You know, how much are we... Um, how much are we devoted to, you know, checking those out and making sure that they're working? What are we doing? And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, you say the word doing in church, and then all of a sudden, you know, people think you're a legalist. But, you know, there are some things that we need to do to work on our relationship with the Lord. So, you know, just give that some thought. Give that some thought. These guys, um, you know, really... They didn't have technology. You know, sometimes I think technology, it could be a curse or a blessing. And, uh, you know, it's nice. We got a microphone. We can, um, we can show the service. We can look at the service tomorrow if we want. I mean, there's some benefits to it. We just can't become enslaved to it. You know, let technology work for you. And for me, that's simple. I can, I can function with this little iPad. I don't need to know anything more or less. I know how to turn it off and on. I can turn my phone off and on and use that. So technically, I'm okay. You know, but for some people, it's really a challenge to kind of um, put the technical stuff aside for a while. But anyhow, food for thought. Um, if you want to hear from the Lord, if you want to be used in a, you know, in a powerful way by the Lord, um, there's a cost, right? These guys counted the cost, right? They counted the cost and they realized what they were, when they were committing to Christ, they realized that it, they were giving him their all. They were giving him their all. So, let's move on. Credentials and validation. You know, it's interesting that, you know, as they came to Lystra and these cities, that, you know, they didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have this. Right? So, if... I walked up to Richard in Lystra and said, hey, man, Richard, do you know the Lord? And, you know, he would say, well, now he would say yes, right? But before he got saved, I didn't have the Bible to pull it out and say, oh, well, you know, here, you know, this is Jesus died for your sins. You know, so I really believe that 
as the word of God was shared, that God witnessed the word or, bearing, or bore witness to the word of God with, by granting signs and wonders. And these, this man being healed was God's way of showing the people that what the word, of, the word that these guys were preaching was true, right? And God himself, the Lord, bore witness to that through signs and wonders, and I believe that they still happen today. I just believe that um, it's kind of backwards today, where people come for the signs and wonders and not for the word. But signs and wonders accompany the word of God. And I know that I've heard guys when we've gone to Maryland, you know, in third world countries, guys that couldn't even use their real name, that were... Um, Pastors of churches in Iran and Afghanistan that, you know, were sharing testimonies of people getting healed, you know, thousands of people getting saved. I mean, God is doing an awesome work, you know, in different parts of the world. And he wants to do them here. We, he just needs the church to, to step up and take that role, you know, to really, um, I, don't even, I hate to even say it that way, but to just get serious about what's going on. You know, the worship really kind of just brought me right to the cross. You know, and as believers, you know, when, when we're brought to the cross like that, it's almost impossible not to get overjoyed and want to share that and see the reality, if you don't share that, that people are going to die and go to hell. I really believe that the first century church, they understood that in a way maybe that we don't. And I don't know if that's how accurate that statement is, but it's just me thinking. I know that if I gave that more thought, I probably would be a little more different too. You know, more, um, <coughs> more um, just more determined. To, um, to open my mouth more. So, as the events unfold, Paul is speaking the word boldly in the Lord. This is just like a little snapshot of what's happened in these verses we just read. A crippled man hears the word. Faith comes by hearing. Paul discerns the man has the faith to be healed, and Paul tells him to stand up on your feet, and he does. A picture of what Paul's, I don't know if this is morning or afternoon, but this is what Paul's afternoon looked like today. On his way to share the gospel in Lystra, you know, forget about what happened behind him almost getting stoned. He's just focused on the word. The outcome, the Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Man, that is, um, that's amazing. It's amazing. And you know what? It's not, it's not beyond our reach. It's not. And, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, <laughs> the saying that just came to me, I'll say it, but I don't even know if it applies. But, you know, you got to think bigger, stay home, right? I know they use that in sports and things like that. But you know what? We should, you know, Everything, when you walk out of this building and you look at creation, everything that exists and is held together, is God is doing it all. So if we can't think big, 
Nobody could think big, right? You know, we just, you know, we got to realize that the God we serve is mighty, awesome, all-powerful. I mean, there's nothing, nothing that God can't do. I mean, look what he did to save us. It's amazing. So here's the crowd's response. All of this cool stuff is happening, right? And, you know, just like in, in Acts chapter 3, this man who got healed, you know, they, they say he's a man, so he's got to be an adult man. So he could be 30, maybe between 30 and 40, I don't know. But he's been crippled since he was born from his mother's womb. So these people in Lystra know him. They know that this guy has been crippled his whole life. Just like in the book of Acts, when those people were going back and forth to the temple, giving him alms, they knew that he was crippled from birth. You would think that they would be elated to see what had happened and, you know, be wanting to hear, like, how did this happen? You know, they want to hear the word, right? But, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the case. And if you think miracles, you know, if, if you've ever caught yourself praying, God, do a miracle for my cousin or my aunt or whatever, and they'll get saved. I don't know if that's, um, if that's really an accurate statement because, you know, you would think all of Lystra would fall on their knees and praise the Lord for seeing this guy get healed this way. And think about, think about that just for a second. Uh, I'm not a... I'm not a, well, you know, I'm not a, a science type person, but I'm not a physical therapist either, but I'll, I have some, have some fake joints, I have some replacement parts, um, so I understand that, that on the physical therapy, but think, this guy, has, his legs have been in atrophy for, like I said, even if he's 30 years old. There's no nerve endings there. There's no, you know, how there's a signal from your nerves and everything to your brain, how, you know, God has got all that designed. I mean, none of that worked. None of that worked. But God, in an act of creation, in a second, as when Paul told him to stand up, it says that he jumped up and he leaped up. I mean, think of the, the miracle of what happened in just one verse to this guy's life. Man, you know, God is, I mean, and he did it with us. You know, one minute, what, think about this. Once, one minute you were a wretched, lost sinner, and within a second you became a wretched, saved sinner, right? No, but God, I mean, in just that, in just that instant, when you confess Christ into your life, your whole destiny, your whole life changed, right? It changed in a heartbeat. And this guy, his whole life is, think about that, just different. Just from Paul paying attention. You know, he wasn't looking around to see, oh, you know, I got an amen over here, I got an amen there. No, he's looking at this crippled guy, and he's seeing, looking, looking at him in the face, and he's saying, He's got the faith to get healed, man. Stand up, dude. Stand up. Exercise that faith. Get up. And he did. And he did. A day and a life. An afternoon for Paul. Let's see what he's going to do in the evening, okay? The day is going on, so this is what happens. Here's their response. 
They respond, and in verse 11, well, let's read 11 through 13. Now, when the people saw that Paul, what Paul had done, you could do the buzzer, Paul didn't do anything, right? Mistake number one for these guys, Paul didn't do it. And we all know that God healed this guy, right? Okay. Um, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitude. So the crowd, instead of acknowledging the fact that God had healed this man, right, they attribute it to mythology, to the gods. You know, first they... Well, they, now they're thinking that Paul is a god and Barnabas is a god, right? Um, just amazing to see their response. You know, superstitious. Um, you know, I was superstitious for a long time. You know, if you play sports, there's no way you can't be superstitious, right? If, and I, and when I, I told this to, my, to Marianne and she... I mean, I think she believed me. The look on her face was a little weird at first. But if, I, if we won, like I played varsity baseball, all right, so if we won the game, so we'd go back to the locker room. I would wear the same socks until we lost the game. You know, just, I know, look, she's making a face. How could you do that? You know, but, it's, but that's just the mentality of an athlete sometimes. You know, if something's working, hey, don't, don't mess with it, Right. So these people, their, their whole thing's a little different, see, because they had, according to tradition, um, I didn't know who Ovid was, but he was a, a Roman poet, okay? And um, the, this is what tradition says, that Zeus and Hermes, or Jupiter and Mercury, they're two different names, um, they visited this region of Galatia, right, where... Um, you know, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, they're all in this one little area. And uh, they were um, asking for lodging, looking for some place to stay. And everybody turned them away except a peasant named Philemon, not the Philemon in the New Testament, and his wife, uh, Bacchus. So they took him in. So the gods, the gods, um, took vengeance on the town, on the city, by drowning everybody. They cre- made a, a flood came in. They took um, Philemon and his wife up to the, this mountain. The whole city drowns, and they build this little temple for you know these two folks, and life goes on. Well, when this happened with this cripple guy, you know, right away you could see the people thinking, hey, we're not going to mess this up this time. The gods are here. We're going to sacrifice to them. You know, just mythology. You know, superstition. You know, and they, they lost out at this particular instance on, um, you know, on, on really seeing God work. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know, people, for um, whatever reason, 
You know, they choose to reject Christ and accept, the, you know, accept things that, you know, we're going to see in verse 15 that Paul calls these things useless. And really, that's all it is. People exchange Christ for things that are useless, worthless. They worship things that can't hear, can't speak, you know, even though they have ears and they have a mouth, you know, idols. They, have, they had an opportunity. They had an opportunity. So the problem and I just want to make sure that you know what the problem was before we move on, is that these people saw what Paul did and they attributed it to him and to, these, to Zeus and Mercury and to um, Jupiter, you know, these, these mythological gods, and um, they missed out. They missed out. And it's interesting because Paul is going to, Paul and Barnabas' response, um, we're going to get to, but I just want to leave you with a question. Are you putting faith in God's word or the philosophy of men? You know, because sometimes we do it without even realizing it. You know, but, you know, we just got to be aware of that. You know, we should be seeking the wisdom of God. And, and it's not like um, James breaks it down for us. <laughs> Maybe he made it too simple for us, but he said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Because God gives it liberally, right? He abradeth not. So if you need wisdom, just ask. Just ask. And God will give it to you. God will give it to you. But we, we all believe that, right? No, what? All right, watch. Everybody that believes me, raise their hand. <laughs> no, this. I'm, I'm just saying this. All right, Rich. I was good this morning. I... <laughs> All right, well, praise the Lord. Yes, God will definitely give you the wisdom that you need. All right, let's read verses 14 through 19. It said, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, now there's a little bit of a, a language barrier here. So it would seem like that um, they find, when they saw what was going on, that they were, now they were going to try to worship them. You know, because they spoke in the Lyconian dialect. So they, you know, didn't know what they were doing. But once they realized it, um, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and teach to you that and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and with these sayings, they scarcely restrained the multitude from sacrificing to them. So Paul and Barnabas find out that they're making an attempt to worship them as gods. And, you know, they're just letting them know, hey, look, you know, like, what are you guys doing? And think about it. It had to really be a weird feeling for them because they had... Um, this, this crippled guy gets saved. I mean, you, they see the power of God. They're preaching the gospel, and then 
these folks kind of lose it and start to try to worship them as gods. And Paul is, is saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, he's saying to them that we're preaching, the message we're preaching to you is to turn from this. You know, we're preaching to you guys to turn from this stuff. Now, this is useless. You know, so, you know, it's almost like they're thinking, oh, wait, things are, <laughs> things are backing up us on us here. Wait, no, this isn't, we didn't come here for this, for you to worship us. We came here for you to worship God. This stuff is, you know, mercury, it's useless. It's useless. And sometimes we have to be that bold with people when we share the truth with them. You know, we have to let them know that, look, you know, what you're thinking, what you're believing, it, it's, just, it's, it's just nonsense. It's useless. It's worthless. It's not going to do anything for you. It's useless. And Paul, man, he's saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> take a breath, guys. Take a breath, because this isn't the direction we want to go in, right? So he's telling them, and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to what? To the living God. And he doesn't, he doesn't start quoting, and now and when he was in um, Antioch, Pisidia, when he addressed the synagogue, he gave them from Genesis to Jesus, right? Here, he's going to go the creation route because he's speaking to Gentiles, predominantly Gentiles, not in the synagogue. Remember that. So, um, interesting point. You know, you got to know the people that you're speaking to, right? You have to know who you're talking to, you know, to, if you want to communicate. So, Paul is going to, now he's going to, he's telling them to turn to the living God, and he's saying, you know, you guys know who this God is, because he made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave him without a witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And, you know, they understood all of that. You know, and Paul is telling them that God has provided all that. The living God has provided that. You know, after you're done eating a meal and you sit back and kind of relax and enjoy your family, well, that's a blessing from God. He's letting them know everything that you have is a blessing from God. Right? Think about it. The sea, the air, everything, heaven, the earth, everything. It's all from God. God didn't leave himself without a witness. Read Romans chapter 1. The creation shouts of the glory of God in his existence. That man is without excuse. You know, I mean, some, you, know, you just think sometimes you look up into the sky and you just wonder, how could anybody not believe that God is real? creation, it just shouts, you know, that God is there, that he is there. So, you know, Paul, it's got to be a weird feeling for him to think, hey, you know, we're making this headway, this guy gets healed, you know, we're, you know, the, the spirit's really moving, and then they, they want to worship them, and now they got to turn things back around and say, hey, wait a minute. No, no, you're missing the point. This stuff's useless. You know, we're here to tell you about the living God, right? Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that will tell you that they believe in Jesus and he's a part of their denomination or whatever, but it depends on 
who the Jesus is that they're talking about. So you got to know who you're talking about or who you're talking to. So, and you know what, Paul, um, this, and uh, I'm going to, we'll just do this last point, okay? Because this could have really been, this could have been an interesting turn of events for Paul. I wonder if it was tempting for them to think that, well, if we let these guys worship us, this will give us an opportunity, you know, like an avenue into to speak with them, to, you know, share the gospel with them. You know, if, you know we'll, we'll take their worship, and we'll get to be, you know, chummy with them, and then we'll tell them the truth kind of thing. You know, but does, I know that, doesn't that sound far-fetched? But, <laughs> thank you, Rich. But, you know, but think about that, though. There's some times that we'll entertain some foolishness when people are saying things and kind of not tell them what's really happening. But we need to be very careful to, um, to leave the, the glory alone. You know, and um, I've been to a few Pentecostal churches, and I love the energy, you know, at some of these churches. But, you know, I, the, you know, one phrase I always remember hearing was, don't touch the glory. Don't, don't touch the glory. You know, don't, you know, to God be the glory. You know, when God does something, glorify God. Don't take any, you know, you pray for somebody and they jump up and they start, you know, they're healed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, you know, these guys, Paul and Barnabas, they shine through this. And if you, all of us, I could be tempted with trying to grab a little bit of the limelight, right? Oh, you know, I, that guy, he's a famous pastor now. and Yeah, but, you know, I, I prayed for him 20 years ago, you know, I mean. But, you know, so we always want a little bit of recognition, right? Are you guys following what I'm saying, right? Like, oh, Billy Graham, I used to hang around with Billy Graham, right? Right, with Abe Lincoln, right? And Richard can hang around with Abe Lincoln. I can hang around with Billy Graham. Yeah, you know, I mean, I prayed for Billy Graham. He got saved. No, you know, but we got to be careful with that. Because there is nothing that we do for Christ that we can take any credit for. We can't even take credit for getting saved. We can't take credit for anything. And Paul and Barnabas knew this. And these guys were, these guys were, were praying for people and God was healing them. You know, they were praying for, for people, and they were getting, receiving sight. You know, I mean, just the miracles that were happening. But they knew that they were, just, they were just things that were bearing witness to the power of God, the word of God. And that's so important for us. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. You know what? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Man, that is, that's the way to fly. That's the way to fly. So... We got five minutes? Yeah. Stoning. <laughs> Here's, this is, um, when I read this section of scripture with Paul being stoned, it really, um, really challenges me because, man, if, if I would have gotten stoned and was able to get back up, I would have definitely gone in the other direction. But, you know, Opposition follows Paul, and you know what? There is no escaping opposition to the gospel. 
You can run, you can hide, but wherever you go, there's going to be opposition to what you believe, the gospel, the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he accomplished at the cross, that he's the creator of everything. You know, this then just there wasn't no big explosion and all this stuff is here. There's always going to be opposition to our faith all the time. But you know that I really found out is a blessing. And Psalm 139 tells us that there's no escaping God's presence, right? So I think this is a safe statement to say, as believers, we have the advantage. Even though we're going to face opposition, you know, that is not going to catch God off guard. God knows where we are. He knows what we're up to. You know, if he's for us, who's going to, who could be against us? You know, I can... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I mean, that's, all, that's real stuff. I mean, that's the word of God. So, you know, there's opposition, but Paul's already accepted that. He's already come to terms with the fact that he's going to be opposed and that his life could be taken. And we already, we, he hasn't written 1 Corinthians yet. But we know he's going to say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, I mean, so, you know, all of these things that are, you know, Paul is, you can see God is, is really preparing him, preparing his heart and his whole life to write the epistles. I think so. So verse 19, it says, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. So keep in mind, these guys have traveled over a hundred miles to come make these charges against Paul and, to, and really to try to take his life. How much do you really have to not like somebody to walk a hundred miles just to be there to make sure that, you know, that that's his last day on the planet? I mean, opposition, there is a deep, deep, deep hatred for God and his word. And you can see it in the resistance. But you know what I love to even see more is Paul. Is, I mean, he's, he's just so prepared for it. So it says that um, in verse 19 that these guys came from Antioch and Iconium. Uh, having persuaded the multitudes... They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Um, now, it depends on, um, I guess, what commentary you read. But most of them, with that word supposing him to be dead, um, they don't believe that, that Paul actually died. But something to think about with the stoning. I looked this up. On, my, on, in my, on Google, blunt trauma. Okay, how, where's the other one? Blunt force trauma. Now, you guys know what that is? It's like, it's like what happens to you when you get hit with a huge rock. And when you, when you think about it, even if you could just imagine just a, a, a rock the size of a brick, Now, take a look around at some of the guys in here. Now, think of just the guys in here alone. 
throwing bricks at you and being as close, really, as, as close as me to Richard. And when you think that that's what happened to Paul, I mean, don't read past that. I mean, this guy was, he had a, he, I mean, he was almost dead. And, you know, I don't want to gross anybody out or anything, but I want you to think of the depth of his commitment to Christ. I mean, that it doesn't say he resisted, just like Stephen. When they stoned Stephen, he knelt down and he looked into the heavens and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Paul counted the cost. He knew that this could have been a part of it, right? But, you know, I mean, he, I mean he, the things, that, what he endured even just here for the gospel. And, and it says that in verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. Yeah, he rose up and went right back into the city that just stoned him. The city that's filled with all of those crazies that walked 100 miles to do this to him. He walked back into the city. Just prior to this, and I mentioned it on Sunday morning, and we'll close, is that, um, you know, they were going to stone him, so he came to Lystra. Now that he comes to Lystra to avoid the stoning, they actually stone him and almost kill him, and instead of leaving Lystra, he goes back in. You know, the only, the only explanation I have is that Paul was just walking in the Spirit. The Lord told him to go back into Lystra for whatever reason, and Paul went. After just, after just getting almost stoned to death, gets back up and goes back into the city, knowing that it was what God wanted him to do. And, you know, the... It's almost, it's almost like sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it. But, you know, there's sometimes, you know, that the Lord speaks to me or, you know, you guys maybe been there and you, you just said, you just feel like, oh, Lord, this is really kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, I don't know if I really have it in me to do this. And, you know, but I, I mean, it's not, I'm not feeling that way while people are throwing rocks at me. You know, it's something a lot less threatening. But, you know, I, I want to get to the point, and I pray that you guys feel the same way, that we get to the point where it's, Lord, you know what? If, if I have to be stoned for the gospel, then, then let it happen. And if I have to get stoned for the gospel and then go right back into the city, then, God, give me the grace to do it. You know, and basically what I'm saying is that, guys, you know, we, we need to ask God for the grace to live out the rest of tonight, to live out tomorrow if he gives it to us. And that as God does that, you know, that, you know, that we're going to be looking for his hand throughout the day. We're going to be looking, looking people in the eye, you know, just trying not to be as distracted as we've been, you know, determined, you know, that, you know, Lord, I'm going to go through today, you know, straining my ear to hear. You know, inclining my ears, that's what it says in Proverbs, right? Inclining my ear. You know, we got to, um, we, you know, we need to, we need to, um, you know, we just need to uh, put our best foot forward and, and just wanting to please the Lord 
and you know counting the cost and um I think we should just pray because you know I could just ramble like this the rest of the night, but um, you know I just I just don't want me or and I don't want you guys to lose out on what God wants to do in your life. And He believe me, man, God, nobody can do for you. No, I mean, just God, there's no better place to be. There's no. Um, Nothing better than to have God's active hand in your life and, and know it, you know, and to sense it, you know, that God is doing something, that God is stirring me up, you know, and man, that's, you know, that is, um, you know, that's what we live for, right? That's what we want to hear when we, when we see him in glory. What do we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, you know what? We can get, I want to hear it now, too. You know, I want to hear it while I'm still breathing here. Good job, Dave. Not that I, you know, I, but, you know, it's, it's just nice to hear it. So, Lord, <laughs> Lord, you are, um, you are the best. And, God, we are so, so thankful that you saved us. God, we know that it's your will that, that all would be saved. And God, we know, um, unfortunately, not everybody is going to be, but, you know, that's their choice. God, you've already made your choice. You want everybody to be saved. And I pray, God, that we would see our role in um, this whole process. You know, we saw um, really a day in Paul's life where um, a crippled man was was healed by the power of God. Um, We saw people try to worship him. We saw people try to kill him. And, and Lord, you were there every step of the way and uh, protecting him. And, you know, Lord, just the excitement of his life is just the, the challenge uh, for us uh, to, um, to have that kind of faith. So uh, we thank you, Lord, that you would increase our faith. I know that we all have areas where our faith is weak. I pray, God, that you would increase our faith in those areas. And, Lord, I pray that um, you would stretch us to the point where, um, God, we would just yield, that we would cry uncle, Lord, that we would just submit and yield to you. Thank you, Lord, for um, getting us home safely. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for uh, your hand, uh, should you tarry uh, tomorrow in our day. And, God, that we would... uh, to see you uh, working and ministering throughout our day. Uh, We love you so much. Uh, Thank you again for getting uh, Pastor Rob and and Kathy and Ariana home safely. And Lord, uh, get these guys home safe as well. In Jesus' name, amen.